Welcome back to another episode. This is the Sophie Rao Show. On today's episode, I'm joined by Pratha Shetty, an interculturalist. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I said it on the phone the other day to you, and it still uh, sounds really cool. I know you have a lot more to say about it, but just as that introduction, I don't do introductions, but I want to say the interculturalist. <laughs> it sounds like a movie by um, Dan Brown, the interculturalist, where Tom Hanks finds out that someone in a wheelchair who found culture, something like that. <laughs> But uh, Pratha, thank you so much. And I hope I'm saying your name right. Is it Pratha or Pratha? Pratha, yes, you're saying Pratha. Yes, right. Okay. Yes. Uh, thank you. Because every time I put Pratha on uh, my phone uh, to type it and it makes it P-A-R, it suddenly thinks that I have issues. I have issues most of the time, but I'm trying to get something right. It corrects me. <laughs> so uh, really appreciate you reaching out. And thanks for joining me on this episode uh, to share your story and to share what you talk about in life, your book, and how you help people. So there's a bunch of things to cover and a bunch of things to talk about, and I want everyone who's listening to this to not miss out on aspects of your work in your life. So firstly, you spend, um, you share your time, at least the past few years, between Bombay and France. And yes. I always like to throw in a foreign element into this podcast to make it sound <laughs> internationally appealing. <laughs> sounds fancy. Interculturalist yeah. from France. Yeah, it just sounds good. Uh, so how did this thing, um, first of all, how did this idea of, I mean, I suppose as Indians, we do have a sense of cross-culturalism, even being um, within the country and not traveling, right? Because we're sort of immersed um, mm-hmm. with so many different uh, ideas and so many different languages, so many different people all the time. But how did you specifically go into uh, this space of intercultural communication or helping people communicate interculturally? So I think it happened when I was, well, I think I know it happened when I was doing my master's. So Mm -hmm. I was one of those people who wanted to pursue an MBA and be one of the C-suite executives who's going Mm -hmm. to make the big decisions. Mm -hmm. However, I was always interested in history. I was always interested in culture to a certain extent as well. My mom's a history teacher. So that helped. Um, However, I didn't really have the exposure uh, to the world of interculturalism or of intercultural Mm -hmm. training. But uh, there was this very uh, kind lady who had come to our college and uh, she started speaking about this book by Clotier Rapiel. Mm -hmm. It's called Culture Code. I just see that. It makes the podcast feel so much more high quality (laughs) when you just said that there. You never know, maybe I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. No, no, <laughs> no. It's, it sounds good. It sounds good to me. That works. <laughs> okay, so sorry so, for interrupting. No problem at all. And I, I went into the library and I started reading the book. Mm-hmm. And this is this man is interesting. This work is something that I've never uh, even heard of before. Mm-hmm. And I want to explore that. So what he would do is he would reason um, people's behaviors, mm-hmm. especially buying behaviors with respect to their cultures. Mm-hmm that why would an American prefer an alcohol which says shot Mm. as opposed to somebody from France who would prefer like a slower drink and would not like to call their alcohol shots. Mm. So, So the differences in the culture from a very consumer buying perspective and I, I just went into a rabbit hole except for Rakiel. I started reading other work as well Mm. and um, I, I, I wanted to explore this academically and there was only one school in France that was offering um, intercultural, like an MSc in mm-hmm. uh, um, culture and negotiations. So you scrapped the MBA idea, you went straight for the MSc? 
No, I did. I did complete my MBA. Oh, you've done a double well. masters. Whoa. Yeah, okay. I've done a double masters. I think you're too qualified for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye then. <laughs> no, so that's I made fantastic. my South Indian parents very proud, though. No, that's excellent. Yeah. No, I think um, you know that's a strange thing. I think just to start off from that, you are from the same region of the country that my family's from. I think um, maybe your parents or grandparents are from near Mangalore, right? From your yes. last name, yeah. So yes. even though we have similar roots, we've never sort of been in the same place. Mm-hmm. I think, but the culture. This thing we hear so much nowadays, especially uh, with certain governments or certain people in power. This idea mm. of culture and identity, and and you mentioned something interesting. I wasn't planning to go down that path, but that whole idea of alcohol, how it's perceived the culture of drinking, say in mm. France versus England versus the U.S., where there was prohibition and they had all these things many years back. But when people talk about India, like it's against Indian culture, I'll give you a context of why I say this. I had done a show uh, which was at a mall, which I typically avoid because there's a lot of uh, kids and it's very distracting and they sort of make you um, tone down your set to make it very family friendly. Mm-hmm. And a cousin had showed up with her family saying, I can at least be her at this show so my kids can appreciate it. And I'm like, I don't write jokes for your kids, right? That's not my target audience. <laughs> and after the show, I think a few months later, she said, oh, I saw Sandeep. She told my mom, I saw Sandeep show at the Phoenix Mall. It was so good. Then she looked at me and said, it was a family friendly show. And she goes, you know, as every show in India should be because we are a family friendly country. And I was wow. like, what a patronizing woman. She's my cousin, but I fortunately I never meet her, you know. But here's this thing we repeatedly hear, whether it's with, you know, comedy or whether it's stuff which is seen as risque or with alcohol, it's against Indian culture. So what is this oh. idea that we derive? Like, can we pick and choose depending on who we are? Like, what can you define what Indian culture is for you? Can I define what Indian culture is for me? I personally think besides a few underlying fundamentals, which is maybe region or language or maybe the idea of family, I think beyond that, there is a very personal element of culture that we can embrace as individuals who belong to a certain nation or a certain geography or a certain group, right? Yes. Firstly, okay. I feel like a nation is a notion. Mm. Right? And Nicely put, yeah. I think that's really especially, important. Especially in India, I, I can't generalize India. And I think we spoke about this before as well. Mm. You mentioned that, yeah, that it's yes, not so it, much a country. It's not so much one country. Like mm. How I usually compare the European Union to our republic. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's, you know, once you cross borders within Europe, you're entering into a different culture, a different region, a different language. Mm-hmm. That's That holds the same for India as well. And mm. each region is so distinctive. Yeah. So India as a culture, you cannot generalize. Secondly, I think this is worldwide. The urban and the rural are different mm. cultures as well. We oh, yeah. big divide. I mean, big yes, and, divide in, yeah. and a big divide and a big divide worldwide. Mm-hmm. So what alcohol, for example, if you're talking about alcohol would mean for a person in the rural, in rural India is not the same what it would mean for a young millennial who's going out to drink in a bar. Or even for that matter, a laborer f- working on a city dwelling like one of these construction workers, they don't drink like how... I mean, of course, we can't generalize in that group as well. But like, mm-hmm, I, you mm-hmm. hear these stories of men going uh, on the way back home, just knocking back three, four quarts of drinks and going back and just sort of, you know, expressing their frustration in life mm. versus someone, you know, who's worked on the farm in, say, you know, Kerala. And of course, I'm saying the it's an individual thing, what they do with under the influence. Mm. But how alcohol is perceived, right? It's, you mentioned that is very different because here it's seen recreationally. It's seen as a status thing. Uh, versus hmm. something uh, like you know 
just to release the tension from the day. So it's also to release pain and I can yeah. I can confirm that with you because even I did work at a farm when I was in France I was cutting mm. grapes right. on a farm and I know the result of physical labor and how you mean the physical pain right yeah right, the physical right. pain as well and it, it, it does have, yeah. it de-stresses you yeah so yes firstly generalizing India is impossible generalizing mm. Because as interculturalists, what people also often assume is we only speak about the culture of a country. Yeah. Everything is different. Um, a culture of an industry can be mm. much different uh, than the culture of some other industry. A culture of a city is way different than the culture of another city. For example, yeah. I'm sure Bangalore has a pub culture, which is amazing. But, you know, Bombay has a different um, perception towards going out or towards alcohol. Mm. So it's very... Difficult, firstly, to uh, pinpoint what culture stands for in India. If India stands for family, if India can be branded as a <laughs> yeah, yeah, family as a country, country yeah. as a family friendly yeah. country. I mean, uh, this conversation again, right? I mean, I mean, not not to sort of deviate from what you're saying, but it's it's so easy um, to use this word culture to prevent growth of multiple aspects of society, right? You can say. Um, that because I'm a certain authority in power right now or a certain group or a certain individual in power, I will impose my perception of what I think is culturally right onto a group and thereby say that this is Indian culture. Whether, yes, I, yeah. yes, I'm sorry, but I think culture has gotten a very bad rep. Yeah, that's exactly days. what I was trying to come to because you can say that these set of clothes, these set of um, foods, these set of songs, these set of languages are, uh, you know, pro-culture in our Indian context at this point in time, which is complete bullshit, right? Because I personally think that what makes any country or any group of people or anyone more progressive or more tolerant is by mm. understanding that you're not the only one in existence and that your practices are the only one which is right, which mm. makes you more receptive at the same time, more... Um, sort of um, susceptible, which is great, I think, as a part of a human experience, realizing mm. that you can have opinions and people have other opinions which are rival uh, to yours and which make it a better sort of a, a situation, right? When every That's the idea. We can't have 7.2 billion people just doing the same thing day in, day out. It gets boring. It gets boring, <laughs> yeah, which is not the idea of human beings, right? That's not how we yes. came to this point. Yes, I, yeah. of course, imposition of a culture, imposition of an idea is mm. always wrong mm. and I think as human beings it's about feeling like you're part of something bigger than yourself mm. it's the feeling of belonging it's the feeling of uh, belonging to people who are similar to you yeah. yeah so culture in that sense is very important and if you want to feel that you belong to something important you will always propagate it yeah I think especially but when you're scared of rejection, right? Of From losing that, it. Yeah, of losing um, that sense of membership. Yes. Yeah. When, you, when you have that innate fear of losing it, when you have that innate fear of seeing it change, mm. that resistance you know, automatically comes in. So yeah. just to give you a parallel example, there are many Indians who moved from India abroad, for example, yeah. the United States in the 90s. And if you speak to them, and this is again, I'm generalizing, no offense to any of your listeners who moved there to yeah. the 90s, but especially the parents do have a certain idea of what Indian culture is, mm. which is from that 
generation, which is from that. They kind era. of got India's in India, and their head was especially. I've noticed this beyond beyond the nineties, so more like the seventies, eighties, right? I have uncles. And yes, they have yes. this sense, and they also went in a time when there was scarcity in India, right? Hmm. So they grew up with this notion that India, and when they left, froze in time for them. So yeah. they have this idea that they bring up their kids to certain kinds of movies, certain kinds of ideas that don't spend too much, have a safety net, kind of this idea, which many parents from uh, who stayed back here have hmm. moved on from there, right? They've become from more, that. yeah, they've become more open-minded with that sense of India's change, and they um, witness to that change firsthand, which hmm. is such an important contrast because you'd think going to the West earlier was perceived as oh, liberal, open-minded, right? Hmm. But they're hmm. more they're more narrow-minded in some ways. Yeah, and you hold on to that. It's not yeah. it's, again. That's the thing, right? As interculturalists, we never say broad or narrow. Well, I'm not one, so I, I'll be devil's advocate for you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I'll you. I'll say the things that you don't have because, to say. Because, you know, we, we, we have to be uh, very yeah. careful, especially when we are addressing a multicultural audience. What happens is when yeah. you when when you uh, label somebody as broad or narrow, and especially now since things are so sensitive, mm-hmm. um, it's about the feeling of letting go. And if you let go of what you have, then what are you? You know, so if you take away that sense of identity, so that sense of identity for them probably is the culture of seventies or eighties when they left India. Mm. And if they take, if you take that away from any individual, then you know you feel lost. And mm. it, it happens many times with many Indians when they are living in the country as well. Their sense of identity strongly becomes religion. So yeah. if you take religion away from me, what am I? What is my identity? Yeah, which is a very strange um, sort of balance which we've struck in India, right? Is where you have a large population which has not been given a sort of sense of dignity in life when it comes to Hmm. access to public health, access to education, clean water, food, etc. But you kind of appease them by giving them this religious um, safety net, right? When they have festivals or Diwali right now, which is going on, that burst crackers, distract yourselves from the real problems in life. But the moment they ask for real uh, value in life to be recognized hmm. as human beings who have so many things, that that is not given to them. Yes. Which I find a bit hypocritical, right? Because instead of doing what's important and that way a society grows, when people are like, you know what, I'm important as a person in this country. Instead of that, you're like, no, no, you're nothing. You work for menial wages, but we will recognize the fact that when we need your votes, we will you know, bring you in the bus loads to the cities to vote or whatever it may be, right? Mm. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, so it's the disparity, firstly, that gives more space to... Uh, conversations about religion probably in the negative sense. I think yeah. the disparity creates that space, that vacuum wherein you can have these conversations that yeah. can be diverted into um, things that are not as important. Mm. But, and this is coming from a person who who didn't really prioritize religion when she was in her own country. You okay. start romanticizing it when you leave it. When, you, mm. when you're away, when you have a bird's eye view of what your country actually is. Mm. And my intensity of romanticizing about Indian culture, about my religion, you know, as well, it intensified. And everything just made, you know, made sense to me. Okay, now my priorities have changed. Do you get a sense that when you said priorities changed, did you get a sense when you were, say, doing your course in in France? Hmm. And was it in a big city like Paris or was it in a small? No, it was in a small city. So it gets even more heightened. Yeah, so did you sense that you had to defend your Indianness? 
whatever that Indianness might have meant for you? Like I think uh, I did get defensive mm. rather uh, when it came about certain ideas that people had about the country. Right. Like I'm and sure they are because I, I want to tell you my point after you think because there are some things, right? Like the accent or the cows on the road, these typical hmm. stereotypes that everyone's hmm. like, like, especially if you go to a country like America where oh. they have these notions that, oh, you know, like they have the, 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 the bindi, the dots and the feathers. I mean, hmm. some are on borderline even sort of some people would claim racist in a way. But yeah. did you um, sense that even a country like Europe, which in your opinion resembles an Indian model of, um, a collection of states did mm. people there seem a little bit unaware and as a result insensitive i think it it was the case with the older population mm. they they hadn't traveled much they had you know been uh, within europe they had a high sense of pride for their country because you know they they were people who fought wars who've seen mm. people die for their country so there's a high sense of pride there mm. and their discussion with culture or countries would directly be comparative like oh mm. you know this is what happens in my country i'm sure this doesn't happen in yours or <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, yeah yes so no, i remember I meeting this man in america once he's my friend's dad and we had gone to her house and this man was breaking a broken pipe sorry fixing a broken pipe in that driveway so he was in this pit of mud and water was gushing and he was trying to f seal this pipe and i happened to be there and he looks up he goes hey buddy how does it how's it going does this remind you of your days as a young boy in the ganges and i'm like that's pretty funny like it i was i've never been to the ganga right but this man went to the ex I, I thought that was a we pretty well thought through if you want to take it as a racist <laughs> joke pretty well thought through like he's done his research gone ganges okay i like you know what credit where credit's due and this girl's granddad just before that is like hey man how's it go and where's your where's your basket case with the snake in it i was like this oh, family no. <laughs> They saw one movie that had yeah. all the Indian stereotypes and then we got to use it with this one person, brown man <laughs> that, that they really know. were waiting. This was the like their, correct. they were holding on, when we got that one Indian to our house, we'll unleash. And there I was. This I thought the Ganges one was fucking awesome. It's just, yeah, no, but it's yeah, yeah it's very similar with the older population yeah. in France, though. But you know, the younger population was much more traveled. They have mm. a lot of exchange programs, and they have, um, like, being an interculturalist is not as um, exotic a profession as it is. Well, I think let's just go. I know we, we and as I told you before, we started this. This is not like mm. sort of Q and A. I'm not going to pick your brains and your profession, but I think just for people to understand, it sounds really cool. But in a nutshell. Or maybe more than a nutshell, maybe whatever shell you want to choose. Uh, mm -hmm. What what does your job involve? What do you do on a daily basis? And sort of how do you prepare people using this uh, role of yours? Okay. So simply put, mm -hmm. what I do is I train European people, especially mm -hmm. Western European executives, sometimes mm -hmm. American, mm -hmm. the Indian culture. And okay. I do the same for Indian people and Indian executives about mm. the Western European or American culture. So mm. that would involve many things. Mm. But most importantly, it is uh, giving reasons or reasoning mm -hmm. about a person's behavior from a certain country, but giving them a cultural context that this person is probably behaving in this way because this is what his culture prescribes to him or her. 
So is this sometimes, okay, there are a couple of things that come up there. One is, um, how nuanced is it? I mean, first of all, is it case by case? Is it client by client? Is it individual by individual? Or just like certain, there's a 101, culture 101 for India. And mm. um, is this sometimes for conflict resolution or is it like a preparation? Uh, because, I mean, firstly, the thing I would do if I was in your position is just mess with everyone, right? Give completely different <laughs> cultural things and <laughs> just go there. And uh, But I'm glad that I, I'm not doing what you're doing. So <laughs> I've been tempted. I've been tempted. Yeah, been I mean, tempted. how powerful is that, right? You go there and like in, give this Indian executive, if a Japanese guy bows in front of you, that means he, he, he wants to t- get in bed he with you. He wants to get in bed with you. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad you don't do that. Yes, uh, without revealing too much, so I did do one um, training for the French Navy. Uh-huh. So they were building the INS Scorpio. So the engineering uh, team from France was interacting with the Indian team. Mm-hmm. And there could have been an opportunity for me to mess up there. Uh, like, uh, no, there's I wouldn't too call it much a mess online up. there. I call it cultural <laughs> empowerment. Compare <laughs> <laughs> yourself. Give, give, give a new sense of Indian, Indian identity. Right? Just uh, some sense of French people. Like, we just heard from these cultures that uh, Indians love cocaine. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> That's a gift when you go, we're not halvas anymore, we give cocaine. <laughs> and that would be hilarious. Um, that's, that's a cool um, scenario, right? Like you're, there's, there are layers there. You're dealing with French people. Yes. And I really apologize to any French person for that attempted French accent. accent. I mean, like the yeah. best part about it was the accent, actually. Hey, thank you. Okay, that was my attempt. Francois. Okay, that's, that's such a stereotypical Jean-Pierre. name. <laughs> yeah, Jean-Pierre. Where's your beret? Well, I'm a Navy SEAL. Okay. Um, so these guys are, first of all, in the Navy, so they're a little bit more uh, pr- proud of the thing. And they're French. When French uh, the stereotype is very proud of their Frenchness, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you're dealing with uh, sort of the armed forces where the people are, you know, tend to be a little bit more patriotic or a little bit more the fervor for their national uh, identity is higher. So you are working in an environment which is a little more sensitive anyway, or are people completely not like what I just said, but more chill? Because I've met some Indian people from the Indian Navy and they they were so sweet at a show. They're like, the next time you're on the coast, you know, Kundapur, that's where we come from, like the Mangalore coast. They said, you must come and visit the ship. And I'm like, oh, cool. And so sometimes this is my exact misperception, right? Am I getting it wrong that the people in the Navy are more strict or am I reading into this too much anyway? Actually, culture in general is very nuanced, like Mm. you said. So Mm. I think a lot of the weight depends on the person who's training okay. you know okay so if you want the individual to be open to mm. first of all criticism about their not criticism but what doesn't sit well mm. about their culture with their counterparts mm. you have to prepare them for that right? so that's so, your job to kind of yes to set okay. context before we get into anything mm-hmm. so firstly it's it's also a huge responsibility to first create a safe space. Just to give you an example, what happens many a times is, especially when there are French and Indian executives interacting, a lot of conversation about caste, about Hindu-Muslim, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. India-Pakistan. Mm-hmm. All of these sensitive topics, they do mm-hmm. come up. And 
you so need this is what to your client would ask yourself. you a western uh, client would ask you about these things yeah so mm. should i be conversing about these things how mm. important is it because having political conversations for certain especially certain french people is normal it's dinner table conversation almost yeah, but yeah, it may yeah, not yeah. be dinner table conversation for many indians because it's affected as in a different way Religious your relationship context, yes your yeah, relationship absolutely. with authority is different based on uh, where you come from mm-hmm. our, our relation uh, you know as indians our relationship with authority is very different because of our history mm. our um, modern and ancient history our relationship with hierarchy and authority is different than from a person from france or even germany from for that matter yeah. you can imagine a relationship with a th- central authority for yeah. a german person is going to be very different yeah and i think for the longest time i i, I just to in, uh, interject with the point over there about um my growing up right hmm. in a big city like I mean, now it's a big city but bangalore in say the 80s and 90s was this aspiration to be uh, almost like british and i i've done a show about this where oh. there was this sort of colonial hangover and the people in bangalore in the 50s 60s especially the cantonments right like the oh. likes of utis and the punas and the bangalores and uh, was this idea of speak english well um you know kind of not wouldn't be be subservient but kind of be impressed by uh, people who are white and hmm. that's still there i i still sense that not in me alone but i still sense that and uh what is happening i feel as a result now is there's this anti movement hmm. where there's this thing like you know screw english or screw any white person like we're going to show india the india brownness whatever it may be right so hmm. um i feel there's an overcompensation right now but yeah the, this this idea that um you mentioned right with this 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 Uh, the way we look at um authority is for mm. india especially we were always made to feel and this is something not from a point of view i'm not a historian but we were made to feel that what we think is our strength whether mm. it's our belief in family whether it's our belief in certain practices whether say for example yoga or whether it's certain things like bathing in a certain um number of times a day or eating meat or not eating meat all those things were ridiculed uh, by mm. people who invaded us right uh, mm. who ruled over us so that i feel has set a blow to us going oh we're not going to you're not supposed to flaunt it don't even talk about it right hide your indianness mm. now it's gone i feel to a way where you can kind of take these aspects of indianness which is bollywood dancing or wearing a sari on say oxford street or whatever it may be right how mm. uh, bollywood portrayed indianness right like uh, with like buckingham palace and shahrukh khan dancing on the top of it or whatever mm. it may be mm. so i feel mm. there's more of that thing so like indians going and taking selfies or whatever it may be right uh, uh, yeah. so i feel that is not bad in any way but i feel we're kind of doing that to compensate for this fact that oh we were always perceived as not good enough and that happens yes. as individuals as well not whether it's indian or french or whatever on a, on a very individual <clears throat> level if someone's mocked you your whole life for some aspects or traits of yours you kind of overbalance and say i'm going to do the other extreme now you know mm-hmm. yes, do you sense and, that as well yeah yes and one of the main tactics of any invaders or colonizers mm-hmm. is to prove to the people who are getting invaded that they are barbarics mm okay that in, in the french did this as well and the british did this as well the french mm. called their invasions a mission to civilize people they did mm. invade huge part of africa too right. in same same similar it was the same with the british so and the dutch one and way the, of yeah, yeah and the dutch as well so the one way of a uh, civilizing people according to them was through language right okay. you take away their language mm. and you take first you take away a lot and and i've 
had that experience of SM, you know trying to assimilate into a culture where it's a completely different language and it's very difficult yeah absolutely so it's very difficult so is it as bad with uh, i mean do you do you feel a little reserved to speak it because i've done it i felt it like with english in mm-hmm. the uk Do you feel it in did you feel it in France as trying to learn French or do they mock you for certain pronunciations or certain Oh definitely oh, definitely okay. Okay. but in France I didn't have an option I you didn't have, have to yeah. I didn't have an option they yeah. they they would prefer and I've given trainings in French and it's been it's been very you know draining yeah. is I mean I get mocked for my Hindi in Bombay all the time that's why I don't come there anymore <laughs> like the cab guys laughing all the time I'm like dude it's I, I need to go to lower parel how do i get that the so people from bombay speak shuddh hindi <laughs> we butchered hindi to a Absolutely. different level in fact i've had issue in delhi like delhi people are like yeah you know poor thing but like my bombay friends like you know for instance i can you know there's bhaiya and bhaiya right and i can't say uh, bhaiya like all the time i made a big effort to say it now but i keep saying bhaiya and they're like okay calling your maid or what i'm like i didn't know all this then so there are certain uh, inter within the intracultural <laughs> mockings as well <laughs> I mean but it is much more comfortable it's it's like a brother mocking you know as a yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I you know I I think that I think because see the, uh, you're right it is of course more comfortable mm. but at the same time if it's done repeatedly it feels bull- like bullying right you know what I mean if it's done for no reason uh but at the same time this was done in good in not with any sort of malice in, uh, intended but oh. I can sense what it's like on uh, an international scale it's not your fellow countrymen or countrywomen mm. and it's being done repeatedly when you're at a university sort of level where you're in your formative years you're already like oh my god what am i doing where am i who am i mm. and then these jabs being taken and i don't think it's intentional i think everyone does it across uh, if a frenchman comes to india and tries to learn things i mean we've all made fun like oh look in the, whatever right i i I think and as you mentioned the reason I'm sort of going off topic maybe not is with this idea of language it's such a powerful tool that uh, gives people a sense of belonging to a certain group that if you take that away it's almost like whoa who are we right yes it takes away a sense of identity yeah. and like i mentioned that's what many many colonizers did in mm. order to civ- you know this idea of civilizing people and that that idea ingrained in us that mm-hmm. idea got ingrained in us that idea of firstly you know of course beauty standards the mm. way of the way you speak what constitutes for you being educated uneducated cultured uncultured all mm. of that started changing and yes people overcompensate but one must also remember you overcompensate when things have been overbearing for you absolutely yeah i so totally you, you agree with that keep yeah pushing further when it's been overbearing for you and it's always easy it's not easy to blame but it's human to blame right yeah. so you start blaming um different groups or different um aspects that you think must have affected and mm-hmm. interculturalists must feel that they have an answer to this and yeah. that, okay yeah. it's because of this reason historians feel that okay no this is the reason you know biologists use that as a vulnerable access point to exploit and divide <laughs> and divide basically in different ways yeah no i i really find it quite remarkable because just talking to you and from our last call as well it's mm. i'm a product of this and i'm not saying a, a, a successful product of this but 
um, th there's this sense, and you're right, it, it happens on an individual level when there's someone who's made you feel like shit for who you are. Your automatic thing is to harp on those points and then overcompensate for it, right? Saying, hey, you oh. said this about me, now look at me. And oh. you magnify that on a, on a national or a societal scale. Oh. It's, I'm not, and this, none of this comes from a point of saying this is bad or good. But I feel uh, this is a, a situation we're living in right now, especially with the internet and social media, where people are clustering to like-minded groups, right? And mm. groups which are representing one aspect of the human uh, being, which may be food or maybe music or maybe religion, maybe political ideology. And as a result, they kind of forsake what uh, the other 99 things out of the 100 that goes into making them. And yeah. as a result, they become very rigid. And I know you can't use these words, you'd rather not use these words, but I, I've noticed through conversations, whether it's Indians living in America or whether it's uh, someone who's fighting for certain rights in a certain society, is yeah. um, all these things are cultural, of course, right? And not yeah. one yet all are cultural in their own right. But you kind of have this conversation where instead of saying, okay, these are the things that affect me and I'm going to deal with it on a personal level, then sort of look outward, they automatically blame multiple things, whether it's establishments in society or certain ways, say, for instance, the patriarchy or, for yeah. instance, it's, it's authority. And I'm going across this, not just specific to India, this could be what's happening with Black Lives Matter, it could be what's happening with Me Too, it's happening with, say, for instance, the this... this um, you know, for uh, what do you call that, the um, labor movements in certain countries. It's happening, and it's happening, happening simultaneously on a much larger scale in my observation right now at this point in time. So, oh. what do you sense? Like, I, I don't have a question for it, but do you? Yeah, I think it, social media has also given a platform for people to, um, you know, search for other people who think like them. Mm. Right? It's just. People who think like you have just become more accessible. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. The change is not that people have started to change the way they think. It's mm. just that they're able to group much more efficiently. Yeah. Now, so there have always been people who thought like that. It's just that now that you have a person who thinks like you, you think when you know a culture is basically people who think similarly coming together. If you think your voice is getting stronger. You're going to speak much more louder. Absolutely. I think earlier you were just that random person in class and I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? How can you think like that? Yes, now? but now I know somebody else in <laughs> yeah. some other state of some other country or you yeah. know, some other even rural area or a small village that thinks yeah. like me. And I have a platform, I have a podium almost in yeah. order to propagate what I think. So it's amazing how when someone who's seen as culturally oppressed, right? When you oh. give them enough power they end up becoming the same person they were complaining against. You know, mm. you <laughs> see these people go, I, mean, I don't say these and them and all these whatever various terms to separate, but like the same person say, oh, I, I was mocked for what I eat. And now they have a group of people who eat the same thing. They mock others for what they eat. I mean, I'm like, how can you do that? Coming from a place there has where you to already be some balance. No? Yeah, like I mean, I noticed this with the vegans, right? Like they're like, oh, we don't get vegan options in any restaurant or whatever, right? And next yeah. thing, when everything's given and the bunch of vegans together, they make fun of people like, how can they eat chicken? I'm like, dude, why, right? You know why you're doing this, but you want people to just be accepted for what they choose to eat. So can't we just say, okay, let's move on from here to the next thing? 
But it's a repeating cycle. This is usually the power of numbers, though. Yeah. You yeah. will see that happening when you know there is a larger group of individuals who think similarly, and a smaller group of individuals who think similarly. The people who are more are going mm. to be louder. Are going to uh, feel that they have more um, mm. authority to impose their thoughts right. on you. So it, it it's yeah. also a matter of number numbers that happens because. Um, the same person who who's, who asked you about the Ganges or asked you about <laughs> the snakes yeah. may not do that if he comes to India. May not do that if he. I doubt. India you know, is the power of numbers. I think um, strangely that person was French. Um, <laughs> in the sense, many times removed from France, but they were uh, the Lamarches, and um, I was almost. And see now, if you also. Put me in that situation. I'm aware that the may the name Lamash means swamp, so I could have come up with a rebuttal which would have been even more cool to the Ganges joke, saying, "Yeah, I might have been in the Ganges, boy," and a Southern American accent. I might have been in the Ganges, boy, but at least I'm not from the swamps or something. But no, I was just like, "Ha ha ha!" Very funny, white man. <laughs> but only um, if you knew earlier. Only, only that, that, and I think that's. Um, you know, I don't bring in comedy into this, but that's what comedy does. Whether it's the comedy of Russell Peters or Dave Chappelle, very, very cultural, um, culturally significant, right? With what they mm. do is by softening these cultural crossovers, um, and that's why I tell my friends and tell some people sometimes. I mean, there's no reason why Indians should only love Indian comedians or French people should only really love French uh, French comedy or French literature because the idea of a good um, artist whether it's in any for in any medium is oh. to break those cultural barriers and bring you to that cultural plane of their context and that's what dave chappelle does he talks about inner city chicago about a black baby in a neighborhood as a as he calls it the ghetto number one i've never been to a ghetto never i've never been um you know with a black baby in that situation but why am i laughing because it's so well done and i think mm. that's the beauty of something like comedy yeah it resonates on so many levels which are human and not just cultural hmm. Hmm. and i find that very interesting and is that something that you use um when it comes to bridging certain uh, cultural gaps it's that if that's even a right word i since we are talking about popular culture and you know people like Russell Peters and Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. i have used popular culture as references okay to give an idea also of the history of india mm -hmm. because eventually art is a reflection of what society's culture is at the moment mm -hmm. so it's it's going to be exactly what you want it to be like it mm -hmm. communicates exactly what society is yeah. and we've seen that with bollywood as well you yeah, know yeah. eventually if you see the stories that were there before you know yeah. in bollywood they were there's a bad guy and this was when india was much more socialist and um, you know mm. there's a bad guy out there and mm. he has a power and he's a central authority and there's mm. a poor man who's going against that authority because mm -hmm, in those times right. in the seventies, eighties, that's that was the pattern. That was like the, the zamindar and the land and the farm. Land, right, right, exactly. Right, right, right. And then eventually we did move on to, you know, large in, in the nineties post liberalization. Mm. You move into Karan Johar movies, larger mm. than life hero. You know, ah. not really fighting an authority that is the government or a zamindar or a factory owner who's 
benefiting from capitalism mm. rather the hero himself is a capitalist who owns yeah. so many things who is you know has much more money to travel living the fantasy life right living yeah. the fantasy life dancing and, in castles and yes every 2 seconds a song in the meadows kind of <laughs> right 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 no it's true but how do they arrive at that right it's almost like you're going into uh, escapism at that point which i think also reflects on a situation where yes, yeah like i said it's a reflection because at yeah. that time your your culture becomes that of aspiration yeah yeah because in the 90s it was all about the aspiration it was yeah. about you know living the max capitalist life of having mm. money of uh, you know uh, students joining engineering in order to earn money people moving mm. abroad yeah so it, it was just a reflection of aspiration in in that case we're living in pretty crap times because everyone we're living in the era of reality tv so that's very scary <laughs> that means everyone and i think there's that sense where uh, social media gives you this uh, notion where you are the, the celebrity you are the hero you can do whatever with your um, potential and that i think is great i think it's a yeah, great yeah and now we're that. coming to that gen z yeah. is coming to that so yeah. if you've seen certain instagram ads so now you know there were certain influence instagram influencers who were mm. relatively small before but now have a huge following yeah. and they have huge billboards you know wow. in mumbai so mm. now it's become that a person who's normal who mm. does not have a life that's like that of shahrukh khan in mm. probably kabhi khushi kabhi gham is yeah. still having success being himself right. or herself or not necessarily having that capitalist aspiration but still having yeah fame for example but what i don't get and uh, correct me if i'm wrong because it's maybe my bias or my in an uninformed opinion hmm. when you call these people influencers right hmm. and say they hmm. might be an influencer for being say fitness instructors on on instagram right and they get really popular for these fitness tips or say someone who's doing really good makeup tutorials or um, or a mock uh, pa- a parody videos whatever right mm. and then they get really big for that and mm. the next thing you know they're across the across the industry for various things suddenly they're doing they're doing ads for uh, say <clears throat> ch- children's you know mind development sort of programs then they're doing stuff for like the um, health shoes so what i mean is these are people who are good for one particular thing that got them there and now mm. you're taking them in this context of an influencer and brands are just asking them to project all sorts of things from a cultural point of view mm. uh, uh, is it healthy because uh, let me give you an example i i uh, like say virat kohli is a really good cricketer and his cri- mm. ethic as a sportsman is fantastic he's a good leader he knows how his team should work he's really disciplined as an athlete excellent right mm. now if you get him as that influencer right and say okay these are certain things that we want you to promote okay we do one as a brand ambassador i understand that's money and that's how the game works and i'm not taking away from that but do you think when these guys and girls and uh, people are putting across these messages culturally and people are buying into it mm. uh, is it healthy unhealthy what what happens as a result when um billions or millions of kids say that this is my aspiration is that culturally i mean is, i don't know if it's right or wrong but there's no there's no right or wrong firstly mm. and i think it's always been there again mm. the medium has changed okay Sha- you know sharukh or virat or you know even amitabh bachchan for that matter for an older audience they've always been brand ambassadors they've always used their platform they've always used their fame mm. in 
you know, in order to uh, influence. I feel, see, earlier it was strictly advertising. And of course, I'm not saying social media is the culprit. And it's been there forever, right? If you're good at something, of course, a famous person walking in a suit will make you the... I'm talking now the reach is so much more beyond yes. just being seen in an ad. Like they, they're not just doing a 30-seconder for, say, Parker Pen or for a Hyundai car or whatever. It's a lot more pervasive, if that's the right way I to... think the sense of responsibility now mm. has increased with these influencers. Right, Which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. They yeah. should be having that sense of responsibility. Right. Not everybody does because most of these influencers are also very young. Absolutely. That, that's sort of what I th was yes. trying to get to in a very roundabout fashion. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't want to offend the young people who are listening to this. I don't think they listen. I think that's you're young, you're stupid. No. <laughs> no, they don't listen. I think many of them just be like, you know what? I, I'm just going to say it. I want people to listen to me. <laughs> And I think that's absolutely yes. fine. I think we have a great um, youth uh, movement. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yes, yeah, so with Gen Z also, I feel there's like from millennials, which was more about the individual. And I think the kind of influencers, and this is my personal opinion, mm. I usually have a problem is with is are the millennials. Because mm. I think the millennial generation as a culture was very individualistic. It was about, okay. you know, getting yourself ahead uh, being that founder who changed or disrupted mm. the market. Ah, yeah. Oh, those are, those are millennials. So millennials those, is what? People in their 30s now? Yes, people are, that are there in their 30s now. Hey. They're born in the late... Are uh, you a millennial? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm born in the early 80s. This is... Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what I qualify as. So it's a late... If I'm not wrong, it's the late 80s to 2000s. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not one of those millennials. I'm one of those confused ones between the alphabets. <laughs> I squeezed within the cracks. <laughs> so you're a gen, between a Gen X and a millennial. You're, See, you're in that generation. My generation is totally a generation effed. <laughs> we don't know what we You're are. the dial-up generation. You know? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I'm actually proud of that generation because we had patience to um, pursue our dreams that connect. Did you say dial-up? Dial-up, right? Dial-up, yes. Yeah, that's exactly what we were. We were the BSNL generation. <laughs> I think every generation feels that way also, you know. That true, but when we wanted we gave something you desperately. <laughs> true, but, you know, I suppose it's a different kind of frustration, right? But ours mm. was literally waiting for that one thing to load and then your mom picks up the phone and you're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. yeah. So disappointment manifested in different ways. Different ways. But, uh, yeah, I, I get the sense, you know, of... Um, and, and to bring it back to this point, when we look at certain aspects of certain, let's call it societies, right? Like say mm. American work culture, um, uh, like the, the the nine, you know, or say European work culture, right? Uh, in America, they would work relentlessly. There's no such thing, 90 hour weeks. And um, whereas I've heard like in Europe, if you take your work back home, that is frowned upon or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've we've sort of taken the worst from many places. <laughs> you know, we I used to work in IT, and I remember I used to go late in my according to my parents. Right, because my dad would go to the factory by seven thirty, he'd be out of the house. But I would wake up by the time I work out, eat breakfast, go to work at like nine forty-five, ten thirty. My mom's like, "What with this kind of work, I think you'll never be anyone in this world." Kind of leave the house mm -hmm. with that kind mm -hmm. of parting words. Then I would be at work and not really work but just you know, switch on my computer and then people would land up at 11 then chai and then foosball and actually work would start for them at 1 30 with the first call now by say nine hours ten hours later or whatever by six i'm ready to leave mm. they're like no 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 though now the client something's deliverable this i'm like dude you had the entire sort of seven hours to talk to me 
Yeah. But that's what I mean. That's one ex- very small example. Maybe it's trivial. This but, is with, uh, this was with the Indian work culture. You were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This this is what happens. This is another um, issue that comes up between uh, Franco-Indian teams. Mm. Is the you know their especially with French teams. It's it, it's a huge difference. Just to give you a cultural context to this, and you know probably you'll agree with me or not. Mm. you know in hinduism is a big part of our culture accepted or denied it we have many religions we live cordially at least yeah. we try yeah. but hinduism is a big part of our culture and there's a concept uh, in buddhism as well it's called samsara mm. that is time is cyclical for yeah. indians you know your life you have multiple lives yeah. time is never ending and life know. is the idea of life is to break that yeah. cycle eventually right yeah. yes but it, it, but your concept is of time is very cyclical whereas mm. for a person from you say france or germany mm. yeah. it's linear yeah, yeah there is yeah, a starting yeah. point and there's an ending point so you yeah. know time is finite mm. so you look and perceive at time uh, perceive time in that way mm. so the way indians also work is when it comes with respect to time or if it's being invited somewhere yeah. there is there's always going to be a flexibility People are you saying are it's that it. inherent, that deeply root? It, it's that, that's one it, of us? the reasons. See, that's one of the right. reasons. The no, other it makes is, sense because I, if yes. I can't make the meeting in this life, <laughs> <laughs> maybe next life. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that that simple, but I mean, if that is the case, then we're really more profound than people give us credit for. Like, what's <laughs> or the point? Or that cow yeah. on the road that's blocking the traffic. Yeah. Right. So you're saying that rooted that that particular sense, which is so deeply rooted in our in our belief in our philosophy. In our belief, yes. Yeah, is manifesting in these trivial ways. Going, yeah, it's okay. A little bit five. Yes. In the, ah, okay. And we right. take that for granted. We right. take so many of these things for granted. You know. Yeah. Like, no, which I think is a great thing. I mean, I don't mistake me. I'm not saying that you know the French are right or the US are the Americans are wrong. Hmm. I'm hmm. just talking about this observation where we seem to. pick and choose whether it's even say with consumerism right mm. now there are certain things that we're proud of right i think the the indian diet in many ways was balanced right mm. we would get sweets in a certain time of the year we would fast during say a certain phase of the moon we would um balance our diet with the four things which is sour sweet salt and spice mm-hmm. and those things were there and they were sort of passed on uh, verbally in a form of recipes or whatever the story might be from generation to generation i feel in some sense now with capitalism which i think is great as well it's important now you have the likes of the swiggies and the dunzos i mean everything comes with a balance right but i feel we're tilting more towards this um this american way of consumerism with the credit card with the debt living from paycheck to paycheck where we um I have I wouldn't say forgotten our roots because I don't think there's anything called forgotten I think we just move on with time but the sense of our numbers with 7 billion people with a disparity and you throw in this new res- uh, ingredient to the recipe I just feel it's a little bit more chaotic and the balance is shifting more towards this hmm I think this perspective is also very urban you know yeah, I think because yeah. it, it's urban and there are many papers and studies that have been done on this that okay. all urban countries in the world have similarities mm. so we say it's the, you know that that it's reflecting the united states but if you go around the world if you go to paris mm. it's similar it's only that they all they're always usually home on time compared yeah. to bombay for example yeah, so yeah, there yeah. there is always going to be that similarity and about the working culture and our um uh, consu- you know 
where consumerism is heading mm. and india was and is also large was largely agrarian mm-hmm. right so when it started moving away from that and moving into it services and into the service industry mm. it was mostly post liberalization when companies started coming in so yeah. you know there was an influx of um companies from the united states and you know the uk not as much from europe but yeah. more so from you know the united states or yeah, the united kingdom so the only way in which you could pick up a work culture was a reflection of these companies that are coming in and are setting yeah. up businesses and giving us jobs and giving us money and kind of um augmenting the economy so you, which i think is great you i mean adjust i don't to that you absolutely and i think that's all fine i mean i wasn't uh, taking a pot shot at any of these things oh, no, I'm, no. yeah i'm just talking yeah, about just this idea of it yes. yeah no when you when you sort of uh, also like look at these um, situations now when there are a lot of people in and i come completely from an urban point of view i think i should mm. put that out there because i would be known urban life yeah same yeah. right so what i what it was quite remarkable though uh, which also comes with issues is mm. when people are you know they're moving out of their homes from across the country coming to say bangalore or bombay they mm. bring their own sort of nuances their perception on how mm. things are in life how it is to date how it is to party how it is to chill how it is to... so then what mm. happens is um, especially you see sometimes in bangalore a lot of people are like oh what what about the kannada guys what about our language and i'm sure this is on across countries across societies across things right Hmm. what is happening to our thing and of course in bombay as well there are groups that are trying to hold on to um their state pride <clears> or their thing right so mm-hmm. uh, you you see this but i i think there's a, there's there's a, the, the idea of the melting pot right hmm. and um, which is so important if it's if it's done well and i don't think anyone one person can say how it should be done but i i you know you go like when i do comedy shows the reason i can do comedy shows for many reasons and for more frequently than earlier say like in 1990s bangalore mm. which is which of course can be perceived as more tolerant everyone was bangalorean primarily before their religion or their group right mm-hmm. uh, we, would, we we would not say oh are you punjabi first we would be like oh you're a bangalorean friend and i literally mean it on that point like, we didn't care where we would eat we would eat like a roll at a place called nizams we would eat an a, a burger we would eat ice cream we would drink coffee we didn't have the coffee days or the starbucks or any of these brand chains but we would mm. go do our things which of course is a very urban thing again but yes. uh what i sense now is you meet people who are from such diverse backgrounds who speak touch yes. different languages and it's beautiful as a comedian i wouldn't be able to do shows 10 times a week because in a i wouldn't say homogenous but like in a bangalore of the 90s i i could probably do one show because i would know everyone there right <laughs> um then they like they grew up with that guy went to college with it that it literally guy. was like that it's still yeah. a six school six degrees or six schools if you went to these six schools in yes. and at any point in time in that batch you would know these people hmm. you would know pretty much the as, as they would call it the old ba- bangalore and maybe in, similarly in bombay but hmm. now they i can go to certain parts of bangalore and i'm like Whoa, where the hell am i right which i think is remarkable it's a little disconcerting i'd be honest because i'm like will they mm. get my jokes because i've um um when i go for like, say a show past say an area in bangalore called koramangla somewhere mm. i'm um and i'm just like man um i asked the client like what's the language which is preferred and they're like yeah everyone speaks english but they don't think in english i'm like ooh and i feel literally like i'm doing a gig in gurgaon 
which is, <laughs> and it's not a bad thing but i'm just like okay let me do that set i did in gurgaon it actually sometimes in gurgaon the people have from bangalore and they're like can you do one bit line in kannada i'm like dude are you crazy i don't get slippered dude <laughs> so it's I, i'm just thinking out loud right because these are things i would like to run by you as a guy who's uh, performed in different things of course as a comedian but it's beautiful yeah. that um this uh, we spoke about this on the call right with mm. the idea of the internet is to reach um uh multiple people across the globe um mm. and some people are like but why would you want to do that why don't you just do kannada comedy and that way you can reach kannada guys across the globe of course to each his own that's their preference right mm. but i i think this is the power of the internet and that that entire idea of the world is flat in that context where you can have perception on what's going on around you in in the world as an english speaking indian and mm. i think uh i would like to also maybe hear a russian speaking a uh, sort of english speaking russian share his or her points of view on various things going around and i think topics and the premises are only finite whether mm. it's a social uh issues like gender whether it's uh sexuality whether it's progress employment etc etc the family all these things yes. and i think that's the beauty of the internet is like i'd love to hear like you know someone like uh, prata who's an intercultural sitting in bombay her point of view on someone um on things happening in her world and also in the world at large i don't think just because i'm an indian but say as an egyptian something something whatever maybe right so do you sense that 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 is happening with the internet or is it becoming more clickish or whatever the word uh, i think be. with the internet now i you know there's this word that keeps coming also you know keeps coming up in pitches if you you know if you're in marketing it's about being relatable Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know. So oh no, no, I've been through that. Sadi, could, could you think about making your podcast relatable? I'm like, relatable. what is that? No, I don't like relations. Exactly. You <laughs> don't like relations. Just I don't like anyone. <laughs> so it's what is relatability? Yeah. Right? It, it's having to resonate with a large group of people. Mm. Now that that reson, you know, the way you're going to resonate can be in a very homogeneous way that mm. can that's going to get through to a russian guy probably sitting sitting in egypt or to mm. a pers- a guy from gurgaon sitting in bangalore yeah, right yeah. it can be that and then you create this huge subculture of sandeep rao that everybody is relating to mm. or you are more specific and are mm. relatable just like you said to the to a kannadika person or yeah. you know for a person from bombay or mumbai somebody who's from maharashtra yeah yeah the, the thing is that i have a feeling it's never going to be homogeneous even if you know yeah. we are getting so connected because of the internet it's not going to be homogeneous because people are too insecure to give up their individuality in that yeah. sense and okay. that individuality comes a huge part of your individuality is your culture a huge mm. part of individuality is where you grew up that becomes also a part of your culture mm. so i don't think it's ever going to be that you know you you will be able to do the same content all over and be relatable to millions of people at once because yeah. everybody is going to want to relate to you from a perspective that is yeah. important to them And I think that's very true. I think uh there's no one uh I think just like uh, what you mentioned you can't do the same content, right? Mm. Because uh jokes themselves or material themselves have cultural uh, subtexts which um a person wouldn't get just by virtue of not being in that uh context, right? Mm. But what I feel uh, is by 
virtue of the same thing not applying by same content not working is also that you can be uh, relatable when i mean relatable is you can be the same person the material can sort of vary based on certain differences but i think because by virtue of fact that human beings aren't static they're oh. constantly discovering themselves i think a person you might do a show for who might be like oh i i only want to hear hindi comedy right say for example or i like only bollywood music or only hindi uh, netflix web series um oh. maybe in 10 15 years he or she um might be like you know what that was a phase in my life and i really loved it but now i really like spirituality I'm from that yeah i really like exploring other aspects and i think that's the beauty of um at hmm. any of these things and i think we 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 kind of lose idea of that is that we might be have only 60 70 years and philosophies determine whether it's linear or cyclical but mm. i think human uh, behavior is so unpredictable and so that's why people are trying to grab on to that 5 minutes of their attention because they don't know what's what's next you know <laughs> yeah things keep yeah things keep changing by the minute because of the internet yeah. as well and yeah what is popular and not popular gets determined by the second now by the second you know? yeah and i think that's a desperate uh, that 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 kind of grasping at straws marketing thing right like oh if you're not uh, clickbaity titles or if you're if you're if you haven't got them in the first 3 seconds you've lost them forever i don't think so and i'll be honest whoever's listening to this uh, probably has heard me go on about this and they want to hear you and i will come back to you um <laughs> i say this all the time like i've been doing comedy for 11 years without marketing uh in its in its sort of purest sense i haven't got an agency i haven't got a pr team i'm mm-hmm. not famous on social media i don't post i don't know how to post on social media after like three times posting i'm like dude you know the hashtags the captions i can't do it it's too irritating so and it it literally means that i'm not living example or i'm not tooting my own horn but you can do it if you really like doing something and mm. there is i think an importance to that in a cultural scenario where if you tell people that be comfortable uh doing what you like because you enjoy it as opposed to the byproducts and i don't get get to any particular space or field of work that you really can sustain what you enjoy doing over a course of time because you don't have to fall for this trap where mm. it's getting the, the the i mean relatability is a much more important thing than just to be popular i think it's in, nice to be um recognized for people saying oh you know i like hearing her because she speaks about stuff that i'm thinking about as well and i think that's mm. a very good human thing as opposed to a um branding activity you know what i mean but yes. um okay I, you know since we're on that topic i i i i hear this a lot and i don't again go down this rabbit hole of them versus us but why are we hearing more and more of this word or this term called cultural appropriation <laughs> and uh, since it's uh, relatability maybe this will be the topic of the podcast <laughs> 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 pratashetty on cultural appropriation and how americans are total bastards <laughs> yes you should quote me on that yeah <laughs> yeah just 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 to make sure your career my job after just to, you know, just to give you a, 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 a career boost <laughs> thank you thank you so much no any time <laughs> no, yes. i won't call it that don't worry so um I think because since like you know we discussed before people are finding their voices with what their identity is culturally mm, right and that also automatically translates into that that I have the authority over this mm. nobody else can do it right okay? okay that's one that's one part of it so that's projection almost right that's projection in a right. sense right but then there have also been times where people have benefited out of somebody's culture without mm. giving them credit mm. 
So Can you it, give me an example, uh, just to put it yeah, in context? So, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, there was—I don't want to name brands—but there was a fashion show that happened where uh, the attire looked very ethnically Indian, and okay. there was a ma- white male model who was mm. wearing it mm. along with a turban. So, you know, it was uh, depicting, in a sense, the man was depicting a Sikh, a person who's ah. Sikh with that attire. Okay. So. that in a sense is taking away an opportunity right so your argument would be why couldn't they get a sikh man to fill that role fill that role where the thing which is his attire right which is his attire because it's also religious right you are eventually going to be selling this probably for right. thousands of dollars so just to okay on the flip side to that yes. would uh, so then uh, you know it's in in that in 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 that line of thinking a sikh person can get absolutely upset if someone just wore a khada without understanding the significance of it right significance of it right, or right. if you're you know wearing a a khada and are profiting out of it i think ah, that okay, is the profiting part is a very important yes. okay 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 there was the other there was another there's another example which is a little more personal to me so there was a mm. small restaurant in the city where i lived in in normandy called com oh, and you were in normandy okay yes i was in i have a friend over there he was quite big uh, back in the day uh, william <laughs> okay william they called the conqueror or something like that yeah <laughs> And he was in there when I was many there. years back. Yeah, we were we were in class together. <laughs> Not a millennial, I'm assuming. But <laughs> <laughs> just different millennia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a there's a small restaurant there. So they also did serve Indian food, hmm. and they named a burger Ganesha hmm. burger, and Ooh. then okay. it gets it gets better. And okay. the burger had beef in it. Ooh. Okay. So me, I'm I'm not extremely rich. No, no. I think that's just that's just stupid. Um, yes. Because that's not even c- considerate. Like it's it's like calling it like the, you know, I'm going to say it out there because you know I'm I'm disabled. No one can come after me. But it's like saying <laughs> it's like calling a carpenter shop the Jesus shop or something, right? It's just it's it. You wouldn't do so. You do something just to hurt someone. You I mean you'd say something like that just to hurt someone, right? Hmm. Look, maybe that wasn't intentional. Maybe that was out of pure ignorance or you know. I don't think so because of... you know what I think that's if, if you're making. uh an effort to go to that extent and like i just said this now and i didn't mean it to hurt any christian person listening to it hmm. but it's a joke and i as a comedian i maybe someone would say that's you're going too far but hmm. the point is okay i knew that jesus was a carpenter and irony that you know these things happened in his life and of course i don't uh, take away from the power that the the, the son of god has had on people but hmm. this is also maybe as insensitive going you know someone had it as a laugh going you know ganesha burger like oh my god what what do you what do you get in it right like if you actually were well informed mm. you wouldn't do it because this just seems like a really lazy attempt at getting that basic tourist and you wouldn't get the person or even the frenchman or anyone to eat that because it's <laughs> it just doesn't seem I mean, maybe even someone be right now fuming going how could he do that jesus thing mm-hmm. I, and i apologize right because i'm setting an example to contrast with this it it just seems like a really lazy attempt at branding hmm. and, which yeah and that's what usually when people are blamed for cultural appropriation that's yeah. what is usually happening it, even if it's not profiteering out of something yeah. it can also be that just to give you an example if um, a black person was hmm. wearing his or her hair a certain yeah. way before yeah they would be called unprofessional in an afro or whatever the traditional in an standard, afro or right? trades or yeah. you know there were times where that would be unprofessional and yeah, only 
a straight hair would be ah, actually considered correct. professional yeah. but then next day i see probably a white man in a suit and dreadlocks yeah. coming to office and not not facing the same things that a black person has faced yeah coming I, in I that get what hair I get yeah, so mean. that's also then, then then that also becomes a matter of privilege. So you yeah. extract from my culture. You mm. take things. You, you pick, pick and, and choose. choose. Yeah, you mm. pick and choose things from my culture. In a sense, benefit out of it or mm. not get singled out because of it. But then I am. Then that yeah. then there is a disparity. Then you're using my culture incorrectly or. I am or rather, not able. I'm to, not able to use my culture. Yes, yeah, I'm not I, able yeah. to use my culture for. just it being my culture which is i think total i think that's the problem now and i think as you mentioned a while back on uh, it, that's why people now are kind of more in your face about it going you know what i i wasn't allowed to do this all these years and one or certain members of society were allowed to so i'm now going to push back that that's why the pushbacks that much harder i feel hmm, hmm. yeah uh, let me give you an example okay yes i want you to break it down with your cultural hat on um i was asked to do an ad for uh, raymonds uh the suit company i you know by the way i i should probably be a little careful dropping brands because they won't sponsor i have really you could have made money out of this no aspirations as a podcaster right like something where endorsements oh yeah that's important i just want to talk <laughs> yeah and i think that i think i'll find my the right sponsor to endorse me uh, if and when but they asked me to do an ad and it was called the raymond black collection mhm now they wanted me to come on board as a visually impaired person because the suit is so black it's almost dark right so i thought that was cool i said by the way guys um maybe you know as someone and i know you're laughing but this was this was the pitch and then the the next day they're like no we can't get you because you're not blind enough oh la la <laughs> and anyone listening can apparently there is an ad out they've got a guy who's blind who's blind um and it's out apparently theaters and apparently you know it's very i'm so glad that a guy more blind than me got it right this is my first thing <laughs> but apparently he doesn't fit well in the suit now my question to anyone is is it and i'm not by any way i'm not a model and, and this is now people are like this guy has done a jesus joke now he's saying he's a hot model no none of that it's just i found it hilarious in the lawyers found you not blind enough for this ad <laughs> and okay let me tell you one more thing since we're on this topic i was asked to do this podcast uh here i don't want to drop names because the, the person might be hearing this and it was about a perception perspective on life as a blind guy right mm-hmm. so the podcast was called the blind blah 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 and um the guy wanted me to do this podcast he said i want you to share your stories i want you to share your perception uh, your, your sorry your journey your experience i don't use the word perception or perspective too much um i already have so <laughs> he said i want you to do this podcast and i said dude no i don't like the terms on which you sort of trying to get me on this podcast And then he said a line which I find really—I wouldn't say offensive, but really crass. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Buddy, remember this: I can always get some guy to wear sunglasses and pretend he's blind. I don't need you." And I was like, "Ooh, ouch! Ooh, that's I, in my head going. You can't pull that off in today's day and age because number one, you just said that to me, and I can go repeat it." Mm. <laughs> which, see, like you are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just and tell I, us the name. Nah, I, I mean the thing is, man, <laughs> that guy is—he's a bit—he's—he's he's up his own ass, you know. Like he thinks that he knows everything, and that's a lot of times with producers. But mm. I don't know. So in your when you hear both stories, you don't know me that well, and we've gotten to know each other over the past two conversations. But which of the two did you find cultural appropriation, if that's a word, <laughs> or inappropriate cultural inappropriation? I think it, this is purely a matter of privilege and marginalizing. 
you know mm. usually people who are uh, considered marginalized mm. everybody thinks that they are doing them a favor right mm. you are going to be in a ramen ad so mm. here is a favor from us the privileged to you who would have but don't you think the fact that they didn't get me on because i was not blind enough was a good thing that they gave someone more blind than me. more blind so somebody else got off yeah it's he said you and then i said okay will let's, you ever be coming up with more marginalized person correct. this opportunity as a i mean i'd love it if they like you know what sandeep now we got a perfect suit it's gray it's like kind of neither <laughs> So it's perfect for you. So we are yeah. selecting appropriately. So I can easily be like, you know what, this is discrimination. But I don't want. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do it. But it's such a. It's this is where I have a problem right now. Someone, um, um, what was the thing which recently happened? The Fab India thing with the Urdu mm. thing. I'm like, mm. my point is okay. Is this something which because it's of course Hindu Muslim there, but I don't give a shit. Right? I had a good laugh. My wife's like, dude, are you serious? And it mm. was funny. Yes, and you're having a laugh. I think it's a great story, but someone like in, who was in my situation could have made it a big deal, which I don't think is required. I think it's it's silly. It's inappropriate. Um, I don't know if because nowadays more and more of these situations are being blown out of proportion, which I find a little ridiculous. I think some, of course, men is marginalized, and someone's sentiments and someone is being um, their dignity is being violated. I think it's very important to take uh, that into. Uh, act, take action against that, hmm. but sometimes I just feel that so many of these small things which happen, and if you just laugh it off, you know, I, I like laugh, laughing it off. Maybe it's a personal thing, but yeah, maybe I should yeah, have I mean, done something about it. <laughs> now in hindsight, because clearly I don't have foresight. At, le- to them. <laughs> <laughs> at least a Facebook post about it or a tweet about it. Well, I'm doing it on a I'm doing it on a bigger stage than that. I'm talking about it on podcast. Uh, you know, I'm doing it on a, a comedy oh. stage. Yeah. Mm. So I think I find that a better way because like this I, is how than, I think more than cultural appropriation this is also the fact about tokenism mm. right mm. so you know here is our token partially visually mm. impaired guy yeah that is out there so what if you were this visually impaired person yeah. and they didn't mention you being visually impaired mm. you're a person who you know who's carrying on with life yes you have certain probably difficulties that other people don't yeah. but what if they just approached you like that that yeah. you have this platform you are a comedian and yeah. raymond is approaching you i'd love to talk about it in fact that's my thing approach right don't hmm. box anyone and you know here's another thing and i think this is very important culturally for people who are probably pondering this big dilemma or this big issue uh, i think if i was someone who really needed that money from the ad and it was my means of livelihood if i was a blind model or mm. a partially blind model and this was my inter- sole source of revenue then i would have been in a very different situation i wouldn't have laughed about it mm. you know what i mean because then it becomes something that threatens my ability to earn for myself to be uh, someone who can offend for him or herself i mean himself in this case but mm. um yeah i i suppose you what you're saying is very true because um if if the, it's it's the converse, it's the context to the conversation because when they come with this notion that he's blind he'll take anything that comes in his way mm. that is a very wrong or anything she's a woman she'll take anything that comes or she's she's desperate for a role i think that's been the problem that's been the approach that uh, i don't think that it's patriarchy in its true self where it's one man it's a bunch mm. of men who've been told you know what they're women they'll sleep with you for this movie which yes. i think is a total bullshit uh, approach and i think that needs to change as opposed to saying all men are bad Mm. it's the conditioning it's the, the, conditioning. It's the general is a general yeah. conditioning on sometimes even women end up believing it 
You Absolutely. Know? It's you know you mentioned this thing about how when people invaded they were told that they're not good enough for their language, right? I think there's a word that's Stockholm syndrome, right? Which imposter I don't know if it's syndrome. Imposter well. syndrome, yeah. yeah. And also that you're made to believe that you or the people who are controlling you are the ones uh, are right to do so. And and I think social social conditioning is such a big um mold to break <laughs> out of. It's done it's done for years. It's done across groups. It's done for boys who become mm. men who are told to be that without these kind of attributes they are not going to be men. And I mm. I think that is to blame as much as institutional I think I mean of course who 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 created these rules in companies? Men who preceded mm. other men, right? Mm. Which I think um But I'm so I'd like glad to staging, yeah. add one more thing though, the, the, because social conditioning is just it feels heavy and it is, mm. and it feels it it it's so difficult to undo it in yeah. a short span of time. But then I also want to mention, and I'm sure not everybody will agree with me because I also no, it's good. Place of privilege. It's good. It's good to have things that people it's don't agree with not, you. It's not. It's not that difficult. Mm. Just to give you an example, so yeah. there was this tennis player called Lena. and uh, she was one of the first asians to win a grand slam in 2011 she won the french open mm-hmm. and she not only first asian and she was a female as yeah. well to win the grand slam and after she won it got so much coverage mm. on the med- in media now from i think in that year there were more enrollments firstly mm. in tennis camps mm. secondly there were uh, in the top 200 Yeah. in the world there were more chinese players female chinese players that got added to the list from mm. 50 to 200 after lena won the grand slam and after there was media coverage right okay okay some something closer to home could also be marycom you know yeah. after marycom won and after marycom got that coverage probably even after priyanka chopra did that movie mm. now we have such a strong female contingent that is representing us in the which is amazing i think I, amazing. I, yeah i mean i i think there's a as 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 we said repeatedly over the course of this conversation there's no right there's no wrong it's mm. just that certain trends seem to have a bit of a you know a rise and a fall like they're more mm. i i think um, overcompensation these are things when people like within disability as well more mm. about achievement sometimes is focused on people who climb mountains uh, people who are amputee skydivers or people who are these amazing paralympic um thing because they inspire Hmm. And it put, has to be an extreme exaggeration of that and I think that's the, I, I feel sad right because hmm. they I mean I'm not sad for them I think it's amazing what they've done each person hmm. like from these art these athletes to but I feel many times while it inspires it also gives uh, others like hmm. oh my god that means if I don't reach that level I'm nothing I'm not, so yes. it, it yeah it has a contrary to it you know correct definitely and just representation in general also and this a lot of our molding a lot of our perceptions happens as we are growing up yeah and yeah. you know since we are talking about disability there's only 3.4% representation in children's books for yeah. disabled characters just 3.4% well, yeah. you were saying I, you know that uh, representation that i think let's just move into this that i think this is very important is you said mm. okay one is 3.4% disability and mm. i was telling you about lavanya karthik right uh, who is mm. writing about talking about this uh, mm. but you have uh, done something uh, along these lines about women um uh, protagonists or female yes. protagonists so since you are on this can you sort of ex- yes. go more into this sure 
So, I was thinking about a word. What is the word? Elisud. I don't. Sometimes I try to use big words, and then my tongue is just like, uh-uh, I'm not working with you on this one. <laughs> so, can you go into more detail? Is the best I can come up with at this point. <laughs> Let's just say that. Can you elaborate? That's the one. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Finally, yeah. I'm going to edit it to make myself look good. <laughs> yes, I shall speak further. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm also. Um, part of a group of individuals i do interact with interculturalists a lot mm-hmm. and since the conversation is usually about culture and how much of culture we actually see because you know a lot of learning happens when learning about different cultures happen when we see them represented in different things so it could be representation in books it could be representation in popular media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's always a conversation that's happening and you know we are a group of female interculturalists we were just speaking and then it became personal and then we just realized that especially the people especially the women who um colored women who were there in the group we mm. we, re- we realized that we've not seen people who look like us especially in children's books now media mm. is changing Hmm. So now television is changing especially American television yeah. or now social media has given us more access but yeah. in children's book we never saw women from different firstly cultures yeah. from and women pursuing different um professions as well So yeah, you, like you, you were mentioning the the lady, the hijabi atomic engineer, yeah. or, you're right, 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 astrophysicist. Sorry. Astrophysicist, yes. Yeah. So Bersin yeah. Mutlupak, I didn't know about Bersin Mutlupak yeah. for a very long time. She Which is a great, uh, who's a great role model if you're some, if you're a young girl, um, you know, whether it's in the Middle East or anywhere in the world, yes. uh, to hear hear about this lady going, whoa, it doesn't have to be that I'm, you know, um, Amala uh, Amaluddin. who's mm. the stunning George Clooney celebrity's wife but there are other heroes who can you know show me the way yes and these women have beautiful stories so yeah, why I is my hero is captain planet i thought i have to be blue and have kids <laughs> running after me like <laughs> fully had known <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to take away from the no 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 so like these these women have amazing stories why is it that when i go to france mm. i i'm you know every every brown girl who goes to europe is called priyanka chopra mm. why am i not called savitri bai phule or right, right. why am i not called you know another woman who probably why do you call her prata right <laughs> why do you call yourself yeah, yeah. Like, if, maybe i'm not famous enough but then there are other women yeah. out there who achieve so much and you know it's because we see priyanka in the media a lot mm even you know young children know about priyanka chopra around the yeah. world also so yeah. similarly every culture has these you know stories earlier it was deepak women. chopra so it's chopra is apparently a good he name he still is i know yeah, yeah. i should change my name yeah. all of us yeah. just just everyone from india is a chopra <laughs> nobody knows sunil shetty unfortunately yeah, out there otherwise i mean immigration would be a dream right oh yeah this oh yeah chopra please <laughs> that would be good okay so that that does that happen though Is Priyanka Chopra now the token Indian expert? Yes, it's, it's Shah Rukh Khan, and right. yeah, Shah Rukh Khan has always been there. And bit bit dicey at immigration, but I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But oh, yeah, it's 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 um, earlier it was Apu, so I think we moved up Apu from the Simpsons. Now it's Priyanka Chopra. I think uh, in fifty years. And you would be surprised, actually. Apu still comes up in in yeah. spite of so much coverage happening about how offensive it is. Mm. people still find it 
Uh, I thought Apu was hilarious, right? Not because he was an Indian or mocking an Indian accent or a white girl person doing Indian accent. I just thought it was really funny as a kid. Like when I used to watch Simpsons, oh bloody blood! It was it like if, there's a movie by Peter Sellers called The Party, which mm-hmm. was from back in the day, and he does uh, this. I don't, I don't know if he puts brown face on or whatever, but it's a hilarious mm-hmm. movie. Just. Mm-hmm. Maybe of course now in today's day and age would be like oh my god a white man pretending to be brown no but he's done such a great job and the Indian accent of course is a little bit stereotypical but it's it's just a funny movie and we didn't know any mm. better right we would laugh when we watched that but of course Apu that movie the party all these are now seen as absolute disregard for a certain country you know but my thing is would um, I'd rather watch a movie like that. Where someone's attempting to make fun uh, yeah. as an Indian playing an Indian role, or three hundred years of British rule, <laughs> right? Which would I prefer? Make your choice. <laughs> make your choice. Yeah, I mean, would you rather them control you or someone in the sake of you know entertainment do something? So I don't have the answers, but um, yeah. So anyway, but again, I, then we give you know we we transfer that authority in a person's hands to determine how people will view me. So yeah. will a person view me as Apu tomorrow, or will a person mm. view me as Priyanka Chopra tomorrow? So again, right. that power is in somebody else's hands. Right? Why mm. should that be the scenario? But why is it right? one individual? Like, why can't it be the profession? Like, maybe say, okay, Priyanka Chopra is a really successful act- Bollywood actress who transitioned to Hollywood, why mm. and married a really popular pop star. Mm. Why can't it be those elements, like? An artist, um, an actor, and a musician, or can it be those things? Like, oh, are you like? Say, for I instance, would prefer you, that. Right? I, I would if you went there, are you? Oh, are that. you a musician from India? Like, are you a Bollywood star? Like, hmm. make it more broader. Make it about the skill set as opposed to the person. You know, person. Yes, yeah. definitely. And that's what I wanted. And that's hmm. why, you know, I, I wanted especially young children to explore that you can be, you know, quote unquote, successful in different professions as well. Yeah, I think it that's doesn't really have important. to be media. It doesn't. You don't have to be Miss World. Yeah, in order yeah. to gain, you know, what you aspire, like the basic aspiration in modern society is success, monetarily yeah. or fame. You just, and your you inspiration don't... can also be not your same gender. Like I read, I was listening to this guy giving a TED talk, and hmm. he said, "My inspiration is this lady who, at the age of fifty-five or sixty, uh, became the head of Girl Scouts, and now at the age of one hundred and ten, she's still working." So hmm. what I'm trying to say is that's also a great message, right? Like you, as a young girl that, or a young boy, yes. can be inspired by the uh, gender that's not you, which I think is fantastic. Um, if you can it's open a, your mind to that, it's a fantastic take on it. If you're a man, if you're hmm. a boy, hmm. because we see more of that. Like yeah. you know, I, on the phone, I, there are two things I'd like to mention. One of the things was on the phone I was mentioning about um, children drawing different professions. So there was a study mm. that was conducted. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. You yes, were talking there was about a study this. that was conducted of seventy with seventy children in the UK, and uh, they were asked to to draw different professions. So that was a profession of a firefighter, or a and a fighter pilot and a mm. doctor. Sixty-one mm. kids drew all those professions mm. as male mm. right only mm. the rest of them drew them as female so that gives you an idea of that's it's huge easy, it's a huge yeah. difference yeah. that that um, a boy or even a girl is seeing more of men or boys being represented out there as opposed to her that is a problem that is social and conditioning in its finest that's social conditioning yeah. and yeah. there are there are so the esther duflo 
she is mm. an economist she's a nobel prize winning economist mm. Mm. and she conducted a study in a village in bengal yeah. and uh, she saw that um when the the sarpanch of that mm. panchayat was female the parents in that village had almost zero qualms or zero hesitation in order to put their girl child into school for further or higher education oh wow right? okay when okay. the the sarpanch was a mm. female as opposed to another village where there have been no female sarpanches for a very long time there is yeah. a huge difference that right. parents of the children of the girl ch- child especially are not as motivated to put their uh, child or girl child for higher education mm. so the you know representation yeah. really matters so why can't a girl child look at a male sarpanch and be equally inspired no i think that day is Yeah. Is, is sort of getting there sooner than hmm. hopefully but it, i i know exactly what you mean there yes. is right now too much of an imbalance for that to have uh, the desired effect because yes. it's been too much negative conditioning when it comes to male role models uh, so it's either that you you know i think people are like, oh, you know you be inspired by them but you can never be them you can work for them they hmm. can determine your life like what we're seeing with Harvey Weinstein the mis- the misery that that creates is that when he controls the power you just are you bet you better be diminutive you better be hmm. subservient otherwise you are no one which is terrible yeah. messaging right and for years i i don't again i i never want to sort of say that is similar to what i felt but even oh, with oh. disability if you're always told you're not good enough until you are uh, really perceived good. as normal or mm. you have to be subservient to a certain group of course you're going to overcompensate and say you know screw this this is not right hmm but or if you're not constantly grateful for every opportunity yeah. that comes your way yeah. then you know you're not being thankful enough absolutely i think that's something which yeah i i think also strikes a chord with me that you have yeah. to be grateful for everything and everyone if they help you cross the road that oh my god you are indebted for the rest of your life yes you which know? is rubbish um yeah, that's usually <laughs> and they, they have help. reached nirvana in their head that wow oh, yeah, i changed absolutely. a person's life today correct <laughs> Now i mean I some of the, yeah i so usually once they help me cross the road i just push them off back onto the bus <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier go back yeah <laughs> the passing car <laughs> I don't know how I find those cars, but it's always one there. Good, handy. thank you. <laughs> one Uber driver is like, sir, are you, did you call? <laughs> Anyhow, um, I want you to talk about your book uh, before we, uh, you know, wind up this great conversation. Can you tell people about the book, where they can find the book, and what the book's about? Okay, so the book is called When I Grow Up, and it's actually a children's book, and it has stories of these amazing women. Like mm. we mentioned, there's also Lena in the book and Vasanth uh, Mukhopadhyay's Avachi Bai Police Day stories oh, of these women. Lovely. And uh, very short snippets of their stories, mm. and um, it also serves as a coloring book because mm. uh, I always thought while growing up, I would always pick up the peach color mm. when I wanted to color the, you know, the skin of a person that I was drawing, oh. and. Um, I think I wanted that to change as well as I wanted. Um, so peach, you, 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 in your head, was representing more the the more the color Caucasian. of the skin. Yes, because right. that's that we would call that skin color. I don't know if it was the same in your school, but in my school, they would call that the you know this is a skin color color. I got thrown out of school at the age of six because everything for me was black. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Gray, gray, gray. I had gray. Gray color. Everybody yeah. has gray. Man, this kid, this this kid is messed up in the head. All his characters are are ash. Everybody's Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, he's burnt everyone. <laughs> oh my 
Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I told you when we, before this call. Sorry, that's my dog. She's trying to come into the room. She's not allowed though because she'll disturb us. But um, about how there was this sociology class I took where Disney's characters were black and white, right? Like the cruel, mm. the the witch in Snow White was black uh, in a black cloak. The Sleeping Beauty mother was like she had black elements, whatever. And mm. the, the all the he the prince and the princesses were always white, blonde hair, blue eyed kind of thing. Mm. And this what you're saying is um, proof of that. You know that we are as kids told that you know the cute pink and blonde and gold and white and blue and light colors are nice, but the darker it mm. gets, it's more of the monsters, the goblins, the the the, the antagonists, the the bad people, the rakshasas, right? True, and yeah. it's it's not only movies. If you just you know in conversation and casual conversation in India, it so happens that if you're complimenting a baby and you want to say the baby is cute, you say this mm. baby looks like a foreigner. Mm. By foreigner, they basically mean Caucasian. Yeah. It's because the baby is fair, or because man, baby they tell has me that Caucasian features. They tell me that these when I try to get an auto, they're like, "Sir, are you North Indian?" And I'm like, "Is that a compliment? Is that what? What is it? Right? Because it's the, they want to say fair. They're like, fair. you don't look like a South.' I'm like, dude, I don't care. Why are these things important? But it is there, and yes. at some very primal level, you're like, mm, okay. When someone says you look, there like is a, a sense of pride for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and someone says like you look if they look at you and say you look like that lady from, say I mean I, I'm not again right, but they say someone you look like say someone from like uh, the Crown, mm. as opposed versus someone like oh you look like someone from a Tamil industry and both are as pretty. Mm. You've been socially conditioned to believe that the the former is more mm. is something that I would brag about, you know. Yes, and that conditioning takes it's going to take a long time to yeah. break. Long, very long, long time. time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that should actually. Maybe our generation, with our generation, it could be difficult, but with the next generation, it could be easier. Yeah, and that's why we need children's books, or Absolutely. we need representation in uh, popular media that mm. normalizes these things. For example, I think kids personally. can really break conditioning that their parents try to force onto them because the parents might not know. But mm. I think that age, right, when kids can say, "No, I have friends who are this, 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 this," mm. and I will believe that uh, I I know them more than what I've been told to believe about them. I, it's of course kids, but I think it's a very fundamental emotion. It's not something that can be taught. But if they mm. are exposed to that kind of information and literature and stories, I think it's great that you know you're putting this out there. Thank you, thank you so much. And it's also about asking. Questions, I believe. Yeah. You know, I think now there's. I can see that there is a shift where children are asking the questions and they are receiving answers to it. They are asking uncomfortable questions. Great, and, I love uncomfortable questions. Yeah. And they are receiving mm-hmm. answers to those, as opposed to our generation, where our questions were, you know, uncomfortable questions were not answered or mm. were shunned off. So I think yeah. there's that change as well. No, I think that's amazing because I got heckled by a kid about a month back. I was giving a talk for school kids between the age of six and nine hmm. because clearly my career is going well. And um, <laughs> I, this the principal like say something funny, and I said something funny, and the kids like not funny. I was like, dude, I've come here for free. You can't heckle me, you little rat. <laughs> But anyway, now I think kids um, are a great uh, place to. Begin. begin the messaging with because that's where they did it uh, with uh, bad messaging. Uh, mm. With anything, with food, with with language, with acceptance, I think that's great what you've done. So, people, where can they find your book, and also where can they find you online? So, online you can find me on Instagram at okay. Katha S nine five one, and you can find the book on uh, um, Mestri, 
nestree.com i'm saying nestree first because uh, if you're indian i would prefer you buy local so there's okay. an website that, called nestree is that n e s t r e e like nest tree no it's n e s t r y okay okay lovely okay that's like and available on amazon as well yeah we'll keep the nestree.in first I think yes. Amazon. Yeah. So lovely. I'll put those links in the description. And uh, Pratha, thank you so much for joining me on the episode, sharing your story, and for the great work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a lovely conversation, and thank you for giving me this platform as well. Hey, my pleasure. Catch you soon. And on behalf of everyone listening, thank you again. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.